Welcome to King Salman and the Stoics, a project of denvercolel.org. I am Shmuley Halpern and thank you for joining. In this episode, we're going to discuss the following troubling question. Is life truly worth living? For those who suffer from depression and God forbid to those who take their own lives, like so many do, it's a very painful question. We're going to work this question through the eyes of the sages in the Talmud in Erevin 13b, as well as the words of King Solomon in the second part of chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes Kohelas, as well as the very beginning of chapter 4. In doing so, we're going to cover the distinction between this world and the world to come, known as Olam Haba, as well as the concept of free will. Let's jump right in. In Erevin 13b, the house of Shammai and the house of Hillel, the great scholars of the Mishnah, had a debate. For three years they argued whether it was worthwhile for man to have been created. And at the conclusion of the debate, they came to the understanding that it, had, it, was, it would be better for man that he had not been created. Which is an extremely puzzling statement. It seems to say that the human being has no worth. It would have been better had he not been created. However, the Talmud continues and says, now that man has been created, he should search his actions, he should analyze his actions, and he should better his ways. And again, what does this mean? What's the message? Is it really saying that there's no purpose in the creation of the human being? For what purpose did God create man? Obviously, for a purpose. We know, according to the Torah, that man, the human being, is the purpose of existence. So how could the Talmud say, it's better for man they had not been created? Before we get into understanding this, let's jump into the fascinating comments of the great Kabbalist and rabbi of Baghdad, of Yosef Chaim, otherwise known as the Ben Eshchai, who authored an amazing commentary on the Agatic sections of the Talmud known as Ben Yoada. And in his comments, he brings in the following halachic principle. When we seek to define an object, a person, or where that person or object is placed, we have the following two possibilities. We can look at the mass, we can look at the majority of the mass, let's say, of the person or object, and say, is it placed in this property or in that property? Is this tree primarily on, in my yard or in your yard? We can look at its mass and we can go ahead and decide on the majority of mass. Or we can go and count up the limbs, we can count up the branches, we can count up the limbs of the person and say, well, the majority of the number of the, of the limbs of the person or the branches of the tree are in my property versus your property. So there's two ways of analyzing, defining where something is situated. The majority of mass and the majority of limbs or majority of parts. And that's a halachic principle which is beyond the scope of what we're discussing here. But the Ben Eshchai says, this is the foundation of the disagreement between the house of Shammai and the house of Hillel, whether or not it is worthwhile for man to have been created. Unbelievable how he pulls together this halachic principle to understand this deep and agatic section of the Talmud. What does he mean? He goes on to explain that in Hillel's view, life is not worth living in the sense that the majority of our lives, we sleep, we eat, we drink, we suffer, we fail, and so on and so forth. The majority of our lives are 
worthless, says Hillel. And we'll have to understand that better in a minute. But the majority, if you go with simple numbers, if you crunch the math and you add up minutes, days, years, most of life is worthless. That is Hillel's view. Shammai says no. Shammai says you don't go with numbers. You go with value. You don't go with quantity. You go with quality. What that means is, according to Shammai, the defining factor and feature of a human being or of life or of an object is not the numbers, but it's the mass. It's the value. Whatever takes the most space, whatever takes up the most space and is most valuable, is most important, that is going to be the defining feature of an object or an item. And therefore, says Shammai, as we know, a person can fall seven times, but he'll get up. If a person gets up and ultimately succeeds, that one success is what defines everything. That one success makes it all worthwhile. And therefore, says Shammai, it is better for a person that they've been created. However, we know that the halacha follows the house of Hillel in almost all instances. In almost all of, this, of the disagreements between Shammai and Hillel, the halacha typically follows Hillel. And so in this case, they came to the conclusion, like Hillel, that it is better for man they had not been created. Because if you go through the waking moments of most people's lives, sure there are exceptions, like Toso Set points out. There are tzaddikim, there are truly righteous people, there are truly successful people who live really, really well. But for the vast majority of people, the vast majority of life seems to have very little meaning. That's the opinion of Hillel, because Hillel's view is more based on this world reality. But the view of Shammai, which will be the dominant view in the world to come, has two distinctions. There are two differences in Shammai's view. One of them is that Shammai believes that the value, he sees the value of each success in such a way that it is eternal. It is so valuable. It is so world-changing that it makes everything else worthwhile. And not only that, but you can see in the world to come view, in the Shammai view, you can see how the mundane activity, the day-to-day existence, which sometimes seemed like such a drag, or sometimes was so painful, the day-to-day existence is part and parcel of the incredible world-changing successes that a person, that an individual experiences throughout life. And the same for world history. In Shammai's view, the successes, the points of success in humanity's history shine so bright that they bring together all the other elements, all the other moments, years and times in mankind's history. It pulls it all together and makes it all worthwhile. It makes it all eternal. It makes it all reward. That's Shammai's view and so of course it's worthwhile for man to have been created. But in the interim, the Allah follows like the, uh, the view of Hillel. Because in the interim, in this world, it's difficult for us to define reality based on absolute objective truth. We see it from our perspective. And from our perspective, moment to moment, day to day, it seems difficult to find meaning every moment of our waking hours. Especially if you add up the time we're sleeping, the time we're taking care of our needs. It seems to be that we're missing so much time out of worthwhile activity. And that's the view of Hillel. So Hillel says, there's, here's the, the recipe. Hillel doesn't say, throw up your hands. God forbid, Hillel doesn't say, give up on life. 
Hillel says, analyze your actions, better your ways. And what this means is that Hillel, of course, knows that everything is worthwhile. But in the meantime, when you can't see that, focus on what you can change. It is too difficult for most of us to take in a wide, broad world perspective of all of world history and to understand why it's worthwhile, to understand why, we here, why we're here. But if we focus on where we can make a difference, if we focus on the one thing we can do better tomorrow, that the day after we can do even better and that we can make the world better in that way, then life is meaningful. That's Hillel's message. But not only that, Hillel will see is telling us that when we do that properly, we'll start to see the bigger meaning. We'll start to see the bigger successes. And ultimately, in the world to come, Shammai's view will prevail and we'll, we'll see how every single thing has deep and enduring meaning. Let's jump into the words of Kohelas and see how these ideas play out in these several verses. Let's pick up from verse 14 in chapter 3, where Kohelas says, I knew that everything that God did would endure forever and there's nothing to add or subtract from that which God did. And he concludes by saying, and everything God did was so that man should fear God. What does this mean? Ramosha David Valley explains that the beginning of the verse is talking about the world to come, the Shammai-like world. I knew that there's nothing to change in the world to come, in the world of pure good. There no longer is free will. There no longer is room for man to accomplish and do based on his own choice. And therefore, there's also no longer any room for evil. It's a purely good world. It's a world of reward. There, there's nothing to change. But in the meantime, God created this world so that man should fear God. Man has the choice of accepting the sovereignty of God and of doing God's will and of living a good life. That's man's choice in the interim. It's a space that God left over for man to operate with free will. And the basis of that is that God created a world where man should choose to fear God. It wouldn't be something natural, but that man should choose fear of God as his way of life. That's the purpose of creation. That's the now. That's the thing you can do today. Although in the future, we'll reach a world of pure good where man will no longer have the ability to choose to do good, it will be a natural thing. Goodness will be the nature, it will be the way of the world. And in verse 15, it goes on to say, that which was already is, and that which will be already was, everything is stationary. And what this means is even in this world, even in the world of free will, even in the world of choice, there are so many things beyond their choice, so many circumstances, so many lives, that are not cho- that we don't choose, but are seemingly chosen for us. So many things, life stations, and so on and so forth. And therefore, a person can easily give up and say, no, there's no free will. Everything is predetermined. And that's a big mistake. The rest of the verse says, God will search out the person who's pursued. And the Sepharnas is a beautiful thing. What this means, the, the person or entity that's being pursued, that God seeks out, that God looks out for, is the soul. It's the free-willed aspect of the soul, where a person can choose to fear God. That's what God cherishes. That's what God looks out for and cares for. And so if there are 99 things that you can't change, but there's one that's within your free will, that is qualitatively, that's what matters. That's what God cherishes. Focus on that. 
The next few verses talk about judgment, because a world of free will is also naturally a world of judgment. If there's free will, if there's choice, man is judged by those choices. That's basically verse 16 and 17. Verse 18 goes on to say, I said in my heart regarding the matter of man, the human being, that man was chosen, man should choose, and was chosen to be God-like. But so many people don't see it that way. So many people see themselves as just another being, as just another creation, as just an animal. And they go on to say in verse 19 that the same thing that happens ultimately to man happens to animals. They both die, and there's one spirit to everything. There's nothing more to the human being than there is to the animal. And we explained in a past episode of the words of Ramosha David Valley how the element of man that is greater than animal is the ayin. It's the imperceptible soul that you cannot put your finger on. But that's the greatness of man. But this person, which is most of us, who much of the time don't see the benefit of being a human being, we choose to just go ahead and go about our lives without necessarily making free will choices, without exercising our godly soul. We go through life like that and we say, as in verse 20, everything goes to one place. Everything comes from the earth and everything returns to the earth. Who knows, asks Kohalas, who focuses on the fact that the spirit of man goes up on high while the spirit of animal goes down below? Who focuses on the truly human qualities? Who focuses on the soul and realizes that it's eternal, that it goes up to heaven to bask in glory, and it retains its identity forever, it's enduring, it's immortal? Unlike the rest of reality that seems to fade and seems to return to its root and lose its own individuality, its its identity. Man is not that way. Man's soul goes up on high. Solomon goes on to say in the last verse of chapter 3, I saw that there's nothing as good as man enjoying his actions because it is, is, it is his portion. Again, the focus on what I can do better, that focus on enjoying those accomplishments, enjoying that life where it's your choices that make your existence. That is man's portion, that joy in the free will choices that we make. Because what will bring man to see that which will be after him? What this means, explains in Moshe David Valley, what will bring man to the world to come if not for the single-minded focus on that which you can do in this life? By focusing on the accomplishments that we can do in the here and the now, we will merit to see the Shammai view of the world to come where everything, everything has value. And the few moments of success really, really make everything worthwhile. But Solomon goes on to say in the opening verses of chapter 4, But again, so many people don't see it that way. I returned and I saw all the people who were suffering, all the people who were chased and pursued. The Sparno explains by all the negative character traits, by desire, jealousy, anger, etc. And they had no one to console them. Sparno explains they didn't turn to God. They neglected to realize that Hashem, that God is looking out for their benefit, is looking out to help them make those moral choices. But they didn't realize that. They didn't focus on that. And therefore, Solomon goes on to say in verse 2 and 3, I praise the dead. And in verse 3, I praise the person who never came into this world in the first place. Because if you just look at it from a purely 
purely material, physical perspective, secular perspective, all you see is just a human being of being like any other being, with so many aspects and elements that are beyond their control. There's nothing like pain or frustration that the human being doesn't feel they can control, they can change. There's nothing as debilitating. There's nothing as debilitating as a person feeling that they have no control over their own destiny. But when we see ourselves as just another creation, as just another animal, it's terrible. It brings a person down. It doesn't allow us to see the value of life. That's not the proper perspective. That's why even Hillel, when he says in this world, we're not going to be able to see how every single moment of our lives is eternal value. We're not going to be able to see that. But let's focus on our actions. Let's focus on analyzing, on bettering our actions. Because there we can make a difference. There we can sense the value of being alive. There we can sense that in fact, God left us over a space. And here we do control our own destiny. And there's so much value to that if we would only focus on that. At the same time that we focus on that which we can control, let us not forget that we do have someone consoling us. We do have someone looking out for us as we go through the ups and downs of life. That's what Solomon's describing in the beginning of chapter 4. It's so sad to see that people don't appreciate the fact that God is looking out for our betterment. God is looking out for our successes. God is cherishing those successes. Let's remember that we're not alone. We have the Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth on our side, looking out for us. These two things create a tremendous recipe for confidence, for happiness, for success. On the one hand, focusing on the fact that we control our destiny, and at the same time realizing that we have all the help that we need, that God is on our side and He's rooting and cheering and helping us along to ultimate success, and that that success is enduring, that success is eternal. So to go back to our question, does life have value? Life has incredible value. And the few moments of success, even if they're just a few moments, if a person is searching for a spiritual connection to God, and he only feels it at times, he only seems to connect at very specific instances, but the most of the time feels so distant, remember that everything is worthwhile just for those successes. And in the world to come, that will be clear. But in the moment, today, focus on what you can change. Don't get stuck in the things that you can't change. And at the same time, remember that even where God left you over space to choose, He's helping you along the way. And you're not alone. All the very best. Have a wonderful week.